Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. to our Pentecost Sunday service. We already had the 9.15am service. My apologies. I, I was looking around for somebody to tell me that people have got the Holy Ghost and I just got blank stares. So maybe they were too off with Jesus, you know. But we had three receive the Holy Ghost in the first service and one refilling, we believe, of the Holy Ghost and we had somebody baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. A young man who'd received the Holy Ghost just before that. And um, another one of the uh, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs Jersey Flag Rugby League team actually to uh, get the Holy Ghost and be baptized as well. So praise God for the, the work he's doing uh, among that team. Amen. Pastor Stan, he's in um, at Life Spring Church right now. Well, hopefully he is. Uh, he had to uh, dash straight after uh, this serv- or the previous service uh, finished, and um, he didn't actually get to see the uh, all all those three get the Holy Ghost and one get baptized as he was on his way out to Life Spring Church out at Liverpool, who are celebrating their third year anniversary and, and are definitely going from strength to strength right now um, in their new location and just that stability is just helping them to grow immensely and and brother Paul and sister Oli Lafale are doing a great job out there and uh, yeah let's uh, thank God for what he's doing right across Sydney and also I just want to give greetings to uh, brother Zach and sister Alyssa Garcia, who are aimers to Samoa. Uh, They're just sitting with us this morning. Thank you for spending time with us here. They're on their way to Bali, is that correct, for a meeting there? Oh, back to the States. Okay, they're not going to Bali. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, at least you won't get food poisoning. (laughs) Bali belly, we call it. Yeah. But, um, but thank you for being with us. And it's great to see the work that uh, God is doing throughout the Pacific, amen, in, in Samoa and Tonga and Fiji and hopefully Tokelau and Kiribati and Solomon Islands and PNG and New Zealand, right here in Australia as well. Amen. We're thanking God for what He's doing and what He's about to do, amen, and what He's going to continue to do. If we could all be upstanding for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 16. We're going to start in. We're going to read two scriptures, but I won't keep you on your feet too long. But as I always like to say, sitting is the new smoking. So the more you stand, the better it is for your health. So I'm just trying to help you out. So Exodus, chapter 19, verse 16. I'm reading through to verse 18. And when you're there, say amen. Amen. That's enough. We've got a quorum. We can move on and read the text. So, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire say in fire and then let us turn to Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and reading to verse 4 familiar passage of text for many of us as Pentecostals. It says, And when the day of Pentecost, say, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Say, one accord. 
one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. It's a sound. It's a sound. Amen. Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of spirit. And then he went on to say, there's a sound. You've got to hear the sound. You'll hear the sound. And here, this is the fulfillment of that. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Say fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Hallelujah. You can uh, go down, clap in unto the Lord. Put your Bibles away. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for the three that received the Spirit of God this morning and one that was refilled. We thank you, Lord, for one that was baptized also, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will move in a mighty way in this service also, Lord. Lord, I pray that your anointing be upon me, Lord. Help me to deliver this message, Lord Jesus. Lord, help our hearts to be open, our minds to be focused on you, Lord. Help us to be in a state of worship, Lord Jesus, ready to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Pentecost. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and we're a Pentecostal church. The Pentecostals of Sydney, it's even in our name. We used to be called Grace Tabernacle when I first came here, which literally means Grace Tent. You think Tabernacle means something fancy, eh? But it means tent. A movable house. <laughs> But we're called the Pentecostals of Sydney, and this is Pentecost Sunday. What does Pentecost mean anyway? I think I was here for like years and didn't know what Pentecost meant. When I first heard it, I remember I had a cousin that was right into heavy metal, right? He was, he was trying to get me to listen to all these bands like you know, Metallica and Iron Maiden and all this sort of stuff, and they had pentagrams. <laughs> which means a five-pointed star. And I thought, maybe it's got something to do with that. Well, it kind of does, only because of the five. And what Pentecost means is it's from a Greek word. Oh, man, I'm going to be looking at my Greek brothers and sisters right now. It's from a Greek word, Pentecoste. Close? Rubbish? <laughs> Pentecosti. 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 Afghanistan. Afghanistan. That's how you say it, eh? That's right. Okay, so, and that means 50th. 50th. And Pentecost is the Greek name for the Jewish holy festival of Shavuot, which is also called Shavuos. Shavuos. But Shavuot is one of the three major pilgrimage festivals in the Jewish calendar, which includes Passover and Sukkot. And Sukkot is the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And what does tabernacles mean? Tent. I've got a Jewish mate named Yoni. I'm going to refer to him a couple of times in this uh, message from work. When it's the Feast of Tabernacles, he takes the whole week off from work and he has to stay... All his meals he does outside in a little tent in the backyard. And that's how they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. But if we go to Deuteronomy 16, verse 9 to 10, it says, Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Beginning, begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. Now, they didn't have corn. I, I remember reading this and thinking... Isn't corn from South America? I thought, how did they get corn in Israel? But it's just an old word for wheat or any other grain. And so 
when they started to put the sickle to the wheat or to the, the harvest of all the grain, that's when they started to number seven weeks. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God has blessed thee. The reason the holiday is called Shavuot, and I certainly hope I'm saying that right in Hebrew, is because Shavuot means weeks. That's literally what it means. The Feast of Weeks. Because it is seven weeks after Passover. Seven weeks after Passover. Now a little bit of maths. This will test your brains out. How many days in a week? How many days in seven weeks? Thank you. Well done. Very good. So 49 plus 1 gives us 50. So that's why 50 days after Passover. And Passover is only supposed to occur, it's like based on new moon and so on and so on. Somebody more smarter than me will tell you all about it. But unless the barley starts to form its head and they can start the harvest of the barley, that is when Passover starts. They'll even hold off Passover if the barley hasn't started producing. They'll hold it off till the next moon. So they'll hold it off to the next month. But when that barley can start to be harvested, then the harvest of the barley begins. Passover begins at the same time. That's their like little signal that this is when you start it. They didn't have, you know, necessarily the calendars like we had. They did have calendars, but a different calendar. And they were looking at nature in order to tell them what the right time was. And so when that harvest would start, that would take them all the way to Shavuot where it was coming to the end of the wheat harvest. So it started with the barley harvest and then through to the wheat harvest. And that's what Shavuot is celebrating also. But as we see, 50 days, that's why it's called Pentecost because it's 50 days after Passover. And the reason why Shavuot is called a Greek name, again, this is a bit, why is it Greek? Why don't we call it Shavuot? Why are they calling it Pentecost in the book of Acts? And the reason is because about 300 years before Christ, there was a, a guy by the name of Alex, Alexander the Great. And uh, don't tell any Macedonians, uh, any Macedonians here, we, we won't get any debates about whether it was Greek or Macedonian or anything. But... Uh, Alexander the Great started conquering other lands and the old enemy of Greece at that time was Persia. And so he went to the Achaemenid Empire, the Persian Empire at that time. And in 334, I think it was, um, he started to conquer the Persian Empire, started to make inroads and conquered the area of Judea, the area where the Hebrew people lived their homeland, which was under Persian rule prior to that. And so once the Greeks came in about 300 years before Christ, they brought their culture, they brought their language, and they started to Hellenize, which just means to Grecianize or make it Greek. And so they started to write and speak in Greek. And we have a, a version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, and the Septuagint is a Greek version of the Old Testament. And a lot of the synagogues that would have been operating at the time of Christ were actually reading from the Old Testament in Greek out of the Septuagint, not in Hebrew. And so a lot of their conversation and a lot of what they were doing was in Greek. Hence why the New Testament is written in Greek. And so that was the influence of Alexander the Great, and hence why the name of Shavuot was changed to Pentecost. And here we are on Pentecost Sunday. And on Shavuot, Jewish people often celebrate by eating dairy. They eat dairy, and it's thought that this kind of started, they eat cheese and stuff like these, and, and uh, do all these sort of milk dishes, and the reason that they believe that this is the case is because 
when Moses brought down the law, and this is also what Pentecost symbolizes and celebrates, is the giving of the law by Moses. Moses came down from Sinai with the tablets of stone and gave that to the people seven weeks after they had escaped from Egypt, 50 days after they had made their escape during Passover, when the spirit of death had passed over those houses that had the blood upon the doorposts and the lentil, lentil, not the lentil, the lintel. <laughs> when the blood was applied, you need the blood of Christ applied in your life. If you haven't had the blood of Jesus applied in your life, you need that today so that that spirit of death can pass over your life. That spirit of judgment can pass over you. You need that in your life, the blood of Christ to cover you. And so they, the spirit of death passed over. They escaped out of Egypt. And seven weeks later, 50 days later, Moses brought the law. And when he brought the law, there were certain conditions about what types of meat they could eat and how that meat should be prepared. And because now the law had come, they couldn't eat the meat that they'd already prepared. And so the only thing that they could have was the milk. And so hence the theory of why they have dairy. So my mate Yoni, uh, who I mentioned before, hope one day he does listen to this and hear his name being uh, used over the pulpit. Um, him and his synagogue this weekend will be uh, having ice cream for the kids. So maybe a new thing for the Sunday school next year in the middle of... It was two degrees this morning at Penrith. Uh, who's from Penrith <laughs> or out that way? Two degrees out there. Ice cream for the kids on uh, Pentecost Sunday maybe next time. Ice cream's good at any time, really. I could eat ice cream in the middle of a blizzard and uh, enjoy. I love dairy. Thank God I'm not lactose intolerant. Um, I would hate that. Um, thank, thank you, Jesus. Please don't let me get lactose intolerance. In Jesus' name. My belly could probably do with lactose Anyway. So Yoni and his synagogue down in Melbourne, they'll be having ice cream with their kids. And one thing about ice cream is it's not only dairy, it's not only milk, but it's sweet. And the Bible says that these Hebrew people, they were on their way to a land of milk and honey. Amen. In Exodus 3.8, it says, And I am come down to deliver them out of their hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land, unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. In Leviticus 20, 24, it says, But I said unto you, ye shall inherit their land and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey signify abundance. They signify abundance. Also, the Proverbs say that his word is like milk and honey. It's sweet. Amen. It gives sustenance. Even in the New Testament, we see milk being referred to as that, that first bit of word that you need to help you to grow while you're still maturing in Christ before you can receive meat. But milk and honey are symbolic of abundance. If you want milk, you need to get it from usually Again, unless you, you're Greek and you're eating halloumi, which is from a, what, a sheep. Yeah. And then you've got goat's milk as well. But most of the milk we drink are from, from the cow. And if you want to get good milk with the right amount of cream in there and nice producing lots of milk, you need lots of grass. And hence why, you know, you go up the north coast and... You go to places where there's nice green valleys and down the south coast and into Victoria and Tasmania and you see all these rich dairy countries and lots of cows everywhere. Down in Beagaway and places like that where you've got lots of green grass. You don't go to Alice Springs to go get milk. There needs to be lots of grass, green grass. It needs to be abundant, amen? The land has to be fertile rich in life 
and also honey. Where do, who makes honey? Bees. And bees need flowers to make honey. And so we've got grass and we've got flowers. It's a sim- symbolism of abundance, fertility, life, that we've got this, this abundance that God has given or wants to give to the people of Israel. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes not but, to, but for to kill, but, to, but for to steal. Sorry, jumping ahead. And to kill and to destroy. And I am come that they might have life. Say, have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. Say, more abundantly. When we are born again, born of water, born of spirit, when we enter into the spiritual promised land, this spiritual promised land, the church, which flows with milk and honey, amen, in the spiritual sense, we have, we've come into a land of abundance, amen. We have come into His church, the kingdom of God. When we are born again, we come in to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is here on earth, amen, amongst us. You are, point to your neighbor and say, you are the kingdom of God, amen. We are the kingdom of God. We are his kingdom. We are citizens of his kingdom if we've been born again of water and of spirit. And it's a land full of milk and honey because we get the word of God, amen. We get sustenance from his sweet, sweet word and from his sweet spirit. It feeds us. Don't swap the milk and honey for onions and leeks. Amen. Don't swap the Wagyu steak with the marble score nine plus or whatever for Devon. The people, I remember preaching this in New Zealand once and I just got blank stares, brother guy. When I said Devon, they just, so I had to go, luncheon. Not luncheon, luncheon. Don't swap the steak for luncheon, amen? Don't swap the five-star meal for the old pie in the pie warmer at the servo that's been there for two weeks and rock hard. Don't swap this lifestyle for a lifestyle out in the world, amen? We have abundant life in Christ. This is the best life at all. The best life at all. If you can testify of that, why don't you praise God, amen? Why don't you stand to your feet and thank God for the abundant life? We have it more abundantly. Praise the Lord. More abundantly. Not just abundantly, more abundantly. It was already abundant. It's just now more abundant. Amen. Shavuot or Pentecost or Shavuos. Again, I'm probably butchering the Hebrew. It's all right. We're Pentecostals. We butcher words all the time. Thessalonica. It's just Thessalonica. (laughs) Or Thessaloniki. Yeah, exactly. What was another? Mordecai. It's Mordecai. So, no need for the other vow there. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sure I'm doing an even more terrible job now of butchering words. So, Shavuot, Shavuot. It's also called the Feast of Harvest in Exodus 23, verse 26, and the Day of First Fruits in Numbers 28, 22, and in Exodus 34, 22. It calls Shavuot the first fruits of the wheat harvest. The first fruits of the wheat harvest. And it was when they were to give their offering of that wheat harvest, the first fruits of that wheat harvest into the temple. You know, in Passover, they're sacrificing a lamb, but in Shavuot, they're they're bringing the wheat harvest. So Passover was a celebration of the Israelites leaving Egypt, but also that barley harvest, the beginning of that barley harvest. And then during that seven weeks, as Pastor alluded to in the previous sermon, 
they would celebrate all through because it was harvest time throughout that time. And in the Northern Hemisphere, that time of year is harvest time. Down here, it's a lot different and a bit more cold. And so they're heading into summer. The grain is starting to dry out on the, on the heads of the grass there. And they are harvesting. Amen. 50 days later, they mark the giving of the law and celebrate this wheat festival. In Acts chapter 2, we see the birth of the church and the beginning of the harvest of the New Testament church. John 4, 35 says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Turn to your neighbor and say, lift up your eyes. And look on the fields that they are white for harvest. If you go out to um, Dubbo or Forbes or Parks or one of these areas out west, you'll see just these fields that are starting to turn this like light yellow colour as they are ready for harvest. Probably have to be out there around October, around that time, November, when it's time for harvest in the Southern Hemisphere. Obviously in the Northern Hemisphere, June is coming into that harvest season, or May is that harvest season. And it says it's a significant holiday in the Jewish calendar. As we said, it's one of those three pilgrimage days with Passover and Sukkot. It's an important day. And that's why in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. If I could have the map up, maybe the slide of the map, just to show you all the different places that they come from. So after the Jews had been invaded and over many, many times, they scattered. They were starting to scatter throughout the uh, areas, you know, around them and other countries. And this is what we call the diaspora, the spreading of the Jews around the world from their promised land. And they had traveled to Jerusalem for a pilgrimage on the day of Pentecost or on Shavuot from all these different nations, from Arabia, from Egypt, from Cyrene, which is now part of Libya, from Crete, from Rome, obviously in Italy, in Asia, which is what we would call today Turkey, Phrygia in Turkey as well, Cappadocia in Turkey, Pontus, Pamphylia, Mesopotamia, which is Iraq now, Parthia and Media, which is in Iran or Persia, and Elam as well in Persia. So they had come from all these different places to celebrate Pentecost, to celebrate Shavuot, because it was one of these pilgrimages. And the Jews also call Pentecost Moton Torah, which means the giving of the law, the giving of the law. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In Exodus 31, verse 18, it says, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him, Upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Say, finger of God. Isn't that a cool statement? Finger of God. Deuteronomy 9.10 said, And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God, and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. The finger of God wrote the law of tablets of stone on tablets of stone in the Old Testament. But on the day of Pentecost, he wrote his law in the hearts of flesh when they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 14 to 21 says, I will give them an undivided heart. He's prophesying about the future and put a new spirit in them. Amen. He'll put a new spirit in them 
and I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. We come to God with hearts of stone. We come to God with our hearts hardened, cynical, hard, unloving, unforgiving, with a heart of stone. But God can write His law in your heart and turn it into a heart of flesh. Amen. If you've had your heart turned from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, why don't you just thank God? Thank God for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ. That means a letter. You're a letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone. Not like that first law, that old covenant on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. The new covenant we are under is for between God and all flesh, amen? And like pastor said in the first service, now it doesn't matter whether you're not a child or a descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel, a descendant of Jacob, which had his name changed to Israel, a, a, a child of the flesh of, you know, the, the nation in the flesh, but now you're a child of the nation in the spiritual. Amen? And it doesn't matter what nationality you are because His Spirit is being poured upon all flesh. Amen? All flesh. It doesn't matter what your background is now. You could be from Africa. You could be from Europe. You could be from Asia. You could be from the Pacific. You could be from the Americas, South America, North America. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, Central America, wherever you're from, you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When Peter, in Acts chapter 10, he went to the house of Cornelius. He was commanded, you know, he saw this sheet come down from heaven and said, take, kill and eat. Oh, I can't do that. I'm a good Jewish boy. I don't eat that stuff. That's unclean. Comes down again. Take, kill and eat. Sorry, God. I know what. No, I don't do that. Keeping it kosher. Comes down again, take, kill, and eat. No, nah, no, nah, can't do that. God then says, don't call unclean or common what I have made clean. Amen. And this was symbolic also of the fact that he was about to make his way to a Gentile house. People they weren't really supposed to associate with. Definitely not supposed to eat with and not supposed to mix with because they were unclean. Amen. And he was this Gentile family, the house of Cornelius, who had been praying to the one true God and his prayers and his arms, his giving to the poor had become built up a memorial unto God. Amen. God remembered Cornelius and sent Peter and his band of Jewish believers to the house. And then as he preached... They didn't even wait for the altar call. As he preached, Peter probably wouldn't have even called an altar call because he didn't even believe that they could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So while he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all those that heard the word. The Holy Ghost fell on all those that heard the word. You can receive the Holy Ghost right now. Right now, while you hear the word of God, you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing stopping you. You don't have to wait for the, for the altar call. You just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I receive it right now. And God can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you begin to speak in other tongues. And that's what happened. They that were of the circumcision that came with Peter that believed, that meant Jewish believers, Jewish, Jewish converts to a life of Christ, those that were already born again, but they were Jewish, they were astonished. And they said, wow, how, be, how about these Gentiles getting the Holy Ghost? How about these Italians getting the Holy Ghost? 
How did they know? Because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew. That's how they knew. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know how we know you've got the Holy Ghost? When you speak with tongues. When you speak with tongues. Then we know you got the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a sign. There are three purposes to supernatural tongues or glossolia. Three purposes. One, when you first receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you'll begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Amen. Gives you the ability to. God's not forcing your mouth open and moving your tongue. You are speaking in tongues because God is giving you the ability to when He fills you with His Spirit. That's why a lot of people struggle to get the Holy Ghost. They're waiting for God to open their mouth and force their tongue to move. But you have got to speak in tongues. He's going to make you speak in tongues. He's not going to force it. He's going to give you the ability to, the power to, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that's how they knew they had the gift of the Holy Ghost. They heard them speak with tongues. The second purpose of speaking in tongues is when you pray. When you pray. Paul said, as I alluded to in 1 Corinthians 14, he says that when I pray in an unknown tongue, I pray not unto men. For no man understands me. You could have United Nations in there, all there with every different interpreter under the sun. None of them are going to interpret what you're praying because in your spirit, you speak mysteries. Only God can understand what you're praying. Amen. And he says, when I pray in an unknown tongue or when I pray in the spirit, my Spirit is edified. My spirit is strengthened. It gets stronger. But my understanding, or maybe his soul, you could even say, his mind is unfruitful. It's not going to get anything out of it because it doesn't understand what's going on. So if all you're doing is praying in the understanding, you've got a bit of a problem. You need to pray. Paul says, what, what is it then? What am I going to do? He says, I will pray with the Spirit. And in the understanding. I will sing in the spirit and in the understanding. Amen. You need to be praying in whatever language you understand every day. And you need to be praying in tongues every day if you've got the spirit of God. Amen. Because you need your spirit and your understanding to both be edified. Amen. If you're just doing one and not the other, it's like going to the gym and only doing chest every day. And skipping leg day, right? You got to work on the whole thing, right? You got to make sure your mind and your spirit are edified. So you need to pray in tongues and pray in the understanding. Amen? You need to sing in the understanding and sing in the spirit. Amen? If there's something beautiful, we don't do it enough. I know I don't do it enough. Is to sing in tongues. To sing in spirit, to sing in an unknown tongue. Try it out. Go home. Do it at the altar. I don't care. We are under this new covenant. Hebrews 10.16 says, and I better draw it to a close. 10.16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them into our hearts. Amen. His law is in our hearts. This law of the Spirit. This law of grace. And here's one for the oneness students. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty, But I, if I, with the finger of God, who wrote on those tables of stone? God. With what? The finger of God, with his finger. And here Jesus says, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Amen. If that doesn't tell you that Jesus is the one true God, the same Jehovah that wrote on those tables of stone, 
that first covenant. He's the same God that was walking in flesh, amen, manifest in flesh, and casting out devils. 50 days after sacrificing the Passover lamb, 50 days after Christ was crucified as the Passover lamb. But in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they received a covenant from God 50 days after sacrificing their Passover lamb, the physical lamb. But 50 days after sacrificing Jesus, our Passover lamb, believers receive a new covenant from God. Amen. They received a new covenant from God. God had put his law, not on tables of stone, but had written it into their hearts. Had written this new covenant into their hearts. Both events happened to newly redeemed people. Shavuot occurred. Here's three things. Three links between Shavuot and Pentecost as I draw to a close. Both events happened to newly redeemed people. In Shavuot, it occurred after the Exodus. They'd just been delivered from Egypt. Pentecost occurred after the crucifixion, 50 days after the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Messiah and jump-starting a movement, amen, that was spread across the world for both Jew and Gentile, believers joining together as co-heirs with Christ. Two, both events occurred with a physical manifestation of God on a mountain. Mount Sinai was the setting of the gift of the Ten Commandments. The Jews believe that the giving of the law was a, a gift to them, that they were chosen by God to receive the law. Maton Torah. And Mount Zion was the setting of the gift of the Holy Spirit being given. Amen. And in both circumstances, God's Spirit descended in fire. The fire on Mount Sinai was one fire that was visible to all. Whereas the fire on Mount Zion, it was individual. It came upon all their heads, amen, and symbolized this initial giving of the Spirit of God. One fire settled on each person, representing the established covenant between each individual person and God. And both events, three, both events had similar symbols. In both circumstances, there were voices, wind, fire, and smoke. Exodus 19, as we read, it said, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning, there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountain. And then it talked about fire. The Lord descending upon it with fire on Mount Sinai. And then we see in Acts 2, obviously, there came that sound from heaven like as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting and it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each of them. The Hebrew word translated in Exodus to thunder or thunderings is from the, the Hebrew word kol or kolot, which means voices or language. God was using voices, was using language, was using the voice of the people, the, the tongues that were coming out of these people that on the day of Pentecost, we saw that all these different nations, they heard these Galileans, these hillbillies from the, the hills of Northern Israel speaking in languages of the nations they were from. And they were astonished because they're like, how are these guys learning how to speak our language? They're a bunch of fishermen and farmer and whatever else. They don't even go to school. What do they know? How do they know my language? And others thought they were drunk. And I like what Peter says. Oh, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Go to central Sydney, you'll see some drunk people at nine o'clock in the morning. But, but they were not drunk. But they were instead, they were drunk with the Holy Ghost. Amen. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible says, Be ye not drunk with wine, wherein is excess but rather be filled or drunk with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to be drunk in the Holy Ghost though. Hallelujah. Well, if we could all stand.
please. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says that the spirit of man, the spirit of man, see, we're made of body, soul, spirit, flesh, soul, and spirit, three parts. Your flesh is this thing that gets old, gray hairs, knee injuries. It's also got this other element to it that makes you want to do things that go against the Word of God. Amen. It's one of our enemies, our spiritual enemies. You know, it wants to go and do not the things of God. And then we've got our soul. That's our consciousness. That's our, our seed of consciousness. That's who we are really in essence. Our decision making. That's what will go on to judgment. And then there's spirit. The spirit of man is given. You see, Adam, he was made out of the dust of the earth. And then God breathed into him spirit and he became a living soul. The word spirit and breath in Hebrew and Greek are both interchangeable. Breath and spirit, wind and spirit, interchangeable. The spirit of man is the candle of Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. If you do not have the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're like a candle that hasn't been lit. You need the fire of the Holy Ghost, amen, to light that candle so that you can then allow God to search all the inward parts of you and to expose everything that needs to be changed and help you to live for Him, amen, and help you to overcome sin. And just like that fire, came upon their heads on the day of Pentecost. These candles started to light. Amen. They were candles of the Lord's fire. We see in Acts 19, 1 to 6, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And that's going to be my question to you right now. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen. If you've received it, why don't you raise your hands? If you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues, raise your hand. Now just look, I don't want to make anyone ashamed. Keep your hand raised. I don't want to make anyone ashamed. But if you see someone next to you that hasn't got their hand raised, ask them. Would you like to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning or this afternoon? Ask them, would you like to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and see if they can come to the front. I want anybody that wants to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning to come to the front. And it goes on to say, and he said unto them, and what will you baptize? And he said unto John's baptism, and he said, well, that's a, that's a great baptism. He baptized for the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on Him, which should come after Him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they figured it out. When they heard this, they figured it out. And they were then, they were baptized again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 6 it says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Just like what happened with these disciples of John, we're going to lay our hands on these that want the Holy Ghost this morning. And they're going to, when they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they're going to start to speak in other tongues. Just like those disciples of John. Amen. And we're going to pray with them. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, come. If you've never been baptised in the name of Jesus Christ and been buried with Him in baptism and have your sins washed away, that's available as well. Like I said, we had three this morning receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. One refilled and then we had also one baptised. Let's try and see if, we, if there's others that need to be baptised. I don't want you to go home unwashed, uncleansed from your sins. I want you buried. If you've been baptised in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, guess what? You haven't. What are you talking about? 
If you've been baptised and they said, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, you haven't been baptised in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You've just repeated the instruction, not obeyed it. What are you talking about, Ben? What are you talking about? The name of the Father is Jesus because He said, I have come in my Father's name. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. It's the name above every other name. If the Father has a different name, He's got a problem. His Son's got a better name than Him. But it said that Jesus received His name by inheritance. The name of the Father is Jesus. The Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name. And the name of the Son clearly is Jesus. So the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Amen. That's why in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38, when the crowd were pricked in their heart, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? Peter said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. They didn't turn around and go, hey, Peter, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19? He said, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, why are you doing it in Jesus' name? Because Peter knew Jesus is the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. And that's why in Acts 8, in Acts 10, in Acts 19, in Acts 22, they were all baptised in Jesus' Name. Even the Catholic Church say in the Encyclopedia of the Catholic Church that the name or the method of baptism was changed in the 2nd century from the name of Jesus to the name Father, Son and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church. That's in the Catholic Church Encyclopedia. They said, yep, we did it, we changed it. If you've only been baptised in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, please, I implore you, get baptised in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If there's anyone else that needs to, Holy Ghost, come. If there's someone next to you, you need to give them a bit of encouragement to get the Holy Ghost. We already have two here right now. We've got a third one coming. If there's anybody else that wants the gift of the Holy Ghost, come. We want to pray with you at the front here. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be shy. Come here by faith and God will honour your faith. Amen. And fill you with His Spirit today. If you make this public declaration coming forward. Now, while you're here, if you're here, we have ministers and leaders and other believers that can come and pray with these that want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, could you lift your hand this morning? Don't be afraid. Lift your hand, that's great. Thank you, let's give these guys a hand. Honour to where honour's due. They've made a brave step this, today. They want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's help them to do that. There are five steps I want you to try and follow. Brother Robinette went through this. He was doing it in Bangladesh and just thousands, hundreds of thousands getting the Holy Ghost. We know we need to believe, amen. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sins, amen, that He is God manifest in flesh and He loves you. You need to believe in Jesus Christ, right? That's first first and foremost. Believe. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. He that believes not, doesn't matter. No point even getting baptised. But if you believe, you can receive it today. Amen. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? you believe He's your Lord and Saviour? Amen. Have you accepted Him as your Lord and Saviour? That's, that's step point five. <laughs> First step is you need to repent. Amen. You need to repent of your sins. It's not just a point of believing, but Jesus said, repent or you'll likewise perish. We need to repent. Paul, Peter said it on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You want to get the gift of the Holy Ghost? I got the Holy Ghost in a flattened Lakemba before I got baptised in Jesus' name. And I lifted my hands. 
I repented of my sins. I asked God to forgive me for my sins. And I had a lot of them. Like Paul said, I was a chief of sinners. But I asked God to forgive me. Amen. And asked God to change me and help me to live for Him. Because that's what repentance means. Not just, God, I'm sorry, but it means I'm walking this way. I repent. I turn around. That's what it means. An about face. You were walking one way, but now you're walking another way. So I want us to repent if you want the Holy Ghost. Second after that, we'll pray a prayer of repentance in a sec, but I want you to raise your hands after we pray that prayer of repentance. Raise your hands, surrendering to God. Amen. It'll just help you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Trust me on this one. And then raise your head. He wasn't ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of Him. Amen. It's really hard to get the Holy Ghost with your head down, curled in a ball. Have your head raised and your hands raised unto God. Amen. It puts you in that right position. Then raise your voice. You need to lift your voice first. Amen. Make it easy for God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Start praising God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift up God in praise. And then the fifth step, receive it. You need to receive it. Amen. God's not going to force you to take it. The gift is there for you to take. He's not going to force it in your hands. He's not going to open your mouth and go, come on. When you receive it, you are going to speak in tongues. Amen. You are going to speak in tongues. And just like Pastor said in the first service, it might seem like the spiritual version of baby talk. Just a few syllables. Don't be disheartened you're hearing someone doing like Shakespearean tongues next to you. Like this kind of, you know, very mature tongue. That's, that's fine. You'll get there eventually. You might even get there today. But if only a few syllables, that's fine. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Allow it. Like river of living water out of your belly, it's going to flow. Out of here, it's going to come. Amen. Well, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we just pray for these, Lord, that want to receive your spirit this, today, Lord Jesus. We just pray, Lord, that they would repent of their sins, that they would ask you to forgive them of their sins and change their life and help them to turn away from their sins and live a life holy and acceptable unto you, to start living a life, to attempt to walk with you, to change their ways. And Lord, we know, Lord, we live by your grace every day and we fall and we rely on your grace, but their attitude would be one of repentance, would be one of turning to you and trying to do their best to live for you. Lord, forgive them, Lord, today, Lord. Help them, Lord. Accept their repentant heart, Lord Jesus. Accept their heart of repentance, Lord Jesus. Lord, as they seek your face and want to receive your spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, forgive them and help them to repent. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want the Holy Ghost, begin to raise your hands. Raise your hands unto heaven in worship. It's a form of worship to raise your hands because there's some sacrifice. The Bible says we give, bring a sacrifice of praise. Amen. Let your sacrifice of praise in lifting of your hands. And now lift your head unto God and worship Him. And lift your voice in praise unto God. And begin to lift up praise. Hallelujah is the highest form of praise. Start to praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now receive it. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you'll begin to speak in tongues as that Holy Ghost, as that Spirit gives you the ability to speak in tongues. You'll be given the ability to speak in other tongues as you receive the Holy Ghost. And we'll know you have the Holy Ghost when you speak in other tongues. Don't be afraid. Don't think about what's going on around you. Just focus on Him and receive.
receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. I come against all doubt. I come against all fear. Receive the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name.